American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about Rose Hawthorne, daughter of Nathaniel Hawthorne, who became known as Mother Mary Alfonsa and was foundress of the Dominican Sisters of Hawthorne. So, how did a daughter of a Boston Brahmin become a Catholic religious foundress? Well, grace, and time, and cancer. To be clear, not her own cancer, but many other people's cancer. So, Rose Hawthorne was born into high society. She had education, prestige, and culture. Her father, the famous author Nathaniel Hawthorne, and her mother, Sophia Peabody, were both descended from original Massachusetts families. So, Puritanism ran in the blood. Her parents, however, were Unitarians and moved in transcendentalist circles with the likes of Henry David Thoreau and Ralph Waldo Emerson. When Rose was born in Massachusetts in 1851, her father had just published his masterpiece, The Scarlet Letter. And two years later, Nathaniel Hawthorne was appointed consul to England by his good friend, U.S. President Franklin Pierce. Right. So Rose and her two older siblings, her sister Una and her brother Julian, moved with their parents to England. Over the next seven years, they also spent much time in Portugal, France, and Italy. And Catholicism really pervades those countries, which I imagine could be jarring and possibly offensive to someone with Puritan New England sensibilities. Oh, sure. From architecture to the festivals and holidays to the prevalence of priests and religious, the names of cities and streets, and so much else. We're not sure if this just didn't bother the Hawthorns or if they didn't realize the impact that being in such a Catholic place could have on their children. Later in life, Rose recorded a memory of seeing Pope Pius IX on his balcony in St. Peter's Square and receiving from her mother a little medallion with a likeness of the Pope on it. Rose held on to that gift and, as she puts it, always tenderly reverenced it. So Rose, being so young, absorbed Catholicism in a way that her older siblings didn't. It seems like that must have had an impact later in life. It really reminds me of Babe Ruth talking about that solid little chapel inside of him. Yeah, it really does. It may have had that impact. Uh, In 1859, after six years in Europe, the family moved back to Concord, Massachusetts. And the guests who frequented the family home, which was called the Wayside, included neighbors like the Alcotts and the Emersons, plus other literary figures like Thoreau and Herman Melville. What an amazing childhood. First in the Catholic atmosphere of Europe, and now Rose Hawthorne was growing up surrounded by some of the most significant literary and intellectual figures in 19th century America. It certainly seemed idyllic, but it didn't last. Nathaniel Hawthorne died in 1864, leaving Sophia to raise the three children. Life in New England proved to be too expensive, so Sophia moved the family to Dresden, Germany, where their American assets were worth a lot more. Rose was 13 at the time of the move. It was in Dresden that she met George Lathrop and literally fell in friendship for now. In 1870, at the outset of the Franco-Prussian War, Sophia moved the family to London. George Lathrop returned to the U.S. to go to school, but then also moved to London. That was perhaps a coincidence, perhaps not, but it was fortunate. Sophia Hawthorne became ill and died in mid-1871. Since Julian Hawthorne, Rose's older brother, had also returned to the United States and was having trouble making the crossing back to England, the Hawthorne sisters were all alone. But George was in a position to help. 
Three months later, George Lathrop and Rose were married, both just a tender 20 years old. Yeah, and this marriage didn't go over so well in the family. Julian and Una Hawthorne and their aunt, Elizabeth Peabody, Sophia's sister, didn't think George was mature enough, nor that Rose was able to make a sound decision so soon after her mother's death. Right, and their fears proved somewhat prophetic. George and Rose struggled financially. They both desired to pursue literary careers. They moved back to Massachusetts, where Rose tried her hand at poetry and story writing. George also wrote a bit and was the editor for the Atlantic Monthly. They had a son, Francis, in 1876, but he died of diphtheria at just five years old. George didn't handle Francis's death well at all. He spent more time devoted to his writing and editing career, and he began to drink heavily. Meantime, Rose's sister, Una, died in 1877. So now Rose was left with just her brother, who had become estranged after Rose married George against his wishes, and with George himself, who was ever more absorbed by his writing career. And by his drinking problem. Yes. But it wasn't all bad in this season of their lives. No, they still had their literary and intellectual friends visiting, including Emma Lazarus and Helena Decay Gildar. They also had started taking instruction in the Catholic faith from Father Alfred Young, who was a Paulist priest, and a student of Isaac Hecker, founder of the Paulists. Hecker, you see, was a convert himself and had been a prominent transcendentalist. So it seems like a perfect fit for Rose and George, someone who had studied under a person with a similar background to them. Exactly. And eventually it worked out really well. On the Feast of St. Joseph, March 19th, 1891, Rose and George shocked their family and friends by coming into the Catholic Church. They became active as Catholics and helped found the Catholic Summer School Movement, which brought together evangelizers, lay and clergy, to share intellectual pursuits and help each other in their work. But their marital struggles continued, with George's drinking problem getting worse, until Rose felt that his growing abusiveness was unsafe for her. Right. So Rose eventually petitioned the diocese to permit her to live permanently separated from George, believing his intemperance posed too much of a threat for her. There was no thought of divorce, just a formal separation. The church agreed. So in 1895, Rose moved out. George would live another three years, dying in 1898 of cirrhosis. Rose loved him and cared for him and prayed for him to the end, but she just couldn't live with him. Now Rose was free to devote herself more fully to charitable work. How exactly wasn't immediately clear. Right. Until Father Young told her of a young seamstress who had been diagnosed with cancer. The young woman could not afford treatments, so she had herself admitted to an, an insane asylum where patients weren't treated all that well, but at least they didn't have to pay for it. The story reminded Rose of her friend Emma Lazarus, whom she had watched struggle with and die of cancer at just 39 years old back in 1887. Later in life, when reflecting on how the story of the seamstress affected her, she wrote, A fire was then lighted in my heart where it still burns. I set my whole being to endeavor to bring consolation to the cancerous poor. Rose recognized that while her friend Emma Lazarus had died of cancer just as the seamstress did, Emma had had the benefit of treatments and pain relief. The poor seamstress, nothing. Right. So Rose decided that she must do something about it. In the summer of 1896, Rose trained to be a nurse at the New York Cancer Hospital, which is today's Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. It was the first cancer treatment center in the United States, and no other hospitals in New York would even admit cancer patients. She then left her comfortable housing for a small apartment in the terribly poor 
Lower East Side. She did whatever she needed to help the impoverished, visiting the sick in their homes, paying rent for some young sick single mothers, cleaning leg ulcers, and helping with house cleaning for others. She just did what needed to be done until she earned the trust of the destitute that she now lived among. When a homeless woman who had a cancerous tumor on her face asked to live with her in her tiny flat, she realized she could, quote, take the lowest class both in poverty and suffering, the cancerous poor, and put them in such a condition that if our Lord knocked at the door, we would not be ashamed to show what we had done, unquote. Her one roommate patient soon became six or more in her tiny apartment. Meanwhile, she was maintaining a regular spiritual life, mass, confession, frequent prayer, and working on her memoir, Memories of Hawthorne, to make money. And she also was making appeals for assistance through articles and ads in the newspaper. Yes, and in response to one of these ads, she received support from some wealthy and influential New Yorkers to really support her work and lay the groundwork for what came later. And also, very importantly, a young art student named Alice Huber responded to an ad, came to visit, and offered to help on occasion. In short order, Alice was coming daily. In 1899, at the suggestion of Dominican Father Clement, they organized a community which they dedicated to St. Rose of Lima and called St. Rose's Free Home for Incurable Cancer. They bought a house that could hold 15 patients. This time, Alice moved in and helped on a permanent basis. She never moved out. In September 1899, Rose and Alice were received as Dominican tertiaries, and then on December 8, 1900, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, they were granted their founding as a community of Dominican sisters by Archbishop Michael Corrigan of New York. It was an unusually short time frame from being made tertiaries to taking final vows, but in taking that step, Archbishop Corrigan acknowledged that they had already endured a long, hard novitiate. Indeed they had. So Rose took the name Mother Mary Alfonso, and Alice became Sister Mary Rose. In 1901, they welcomed their first postulants and opened a new home 20 miles north of New York City. It was called Rosary Hill Home, and the town that developed around it came to be called Hawthorne in honor of Rose's father. In 1912, another house was opened on Jackson Street in Manhattan. Admission to the homes run by the community is limited to those with incurable cancer, who have no further treatment options, who have no ability to pay for anything else, and who need palliative care. The rest of Mother Alfonso's life was spent at Rosary Hill Home in prayer and in service to the dying. She said, We cannot cure our patients, but we can assure the dignity and value of their final days and keep them comfortable and free of pain. But in the spirit of Mother Alfonso, to this day, the care isn't just attending to their physical needs. That care is about showing them the love of Christ. Mother Alfonso said that through their work, she hoped that, quote, the woman who begs for care can be relieved and that a little sweetness and attention be accorded to her until she dies, she who represents Christ. Mother Mary Alfonso Rose Hawthorne Lathrop died in her sleep in July 1926 at Rosary Hill, a servant to the most destitute to the last. Upon her death, her first and closest collaborator, Alice Huber, Sister Mary Rose, succeeded her as the superior of the community. Nowadays, the community is known as the Dominican Sisters of Hawthorne. They own and operate seven homes in six states, still committed to end-of-life care for the destitute, terminally ill cancer patients. Mother Alfonso's cause for canonization was opened in 2003. Now she, who spent so much of her life serving Christ and others, is officially known as a servant of God. 
You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to give us a rating and a review. To learn more about today's topic, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. Thank you.